welcome to episode 244 of Late Night Linux, recorded on the 28th of August, 2023. I'm Joe, and with me are Phelim. How's it going? Graham. Hello. And Will. Hello. You're back from your holiday then, Graham. Yeah, I had a wonderful time. I saw the sun. It was great. Hmm. Wow. We used to have that here once upon a time. Bloody Brexit. <laughs> Let's do some news then. Five years ago, Valve released Proton for ever-changing Linux gaming. Can you believe it's been five years? It seems simultaneously yesterday and forever ago. I don't really remember a lot about the days before Proton now. It just it feels like it's just part of the furniture. It's so integrated into every conversation we have about Linux gaming that it just feels like it's always been this way. And of course it hasn't. It's been a lot, lot, lot worse for a long, long, long time. Well, this is from Gaming on Linux, and Liam points out in the article that there'd be no Steam Deck without Proton, mm. which I think is a fair assertion. Yes, absolutely. And I'd love to hear the story, you know, from Codeweaver's side, the people that fund a lot of wine development, and also used to be the only way of getting lots of games running on Linux with their, their kind of gaming products. And they worked closely with Valve to help incorporate Proton and feedback to Proton. I don't know if anyone's ever published or been in touch with them to ask and whether they could even say, but it'd be wonderful to hear their end of the story as well. I still can't believe it's just five years. <laughs> that doesn't seem right, because that makes it only 2018. And that's when I bought this PC. <laughs> so did I start playing Proton almost straight away? Weird. Well, you only play Flight Gear, and isn't that native anyway? <sighs> I don't just play Flight Gear. I play many, many games. <laughs> Do you play Roblox? I don't, but Liam does. And it's actually quite good news that that's back on because I had to build a Windows install for him to dual boot for a couple other things as well, like Rec Room and stuff like that, which is the new hotness. And it was a bit annoying. And I also haven't dual boot set up it yet because I haven't done that since I think around... 1998 Mm. because i just did one or the other so i don't know what i'm doing and i'm sure to trash both installs so not looking forward to that really so yeah we'll have to see how that goes but it's nice to see roblox come back and i know yes graeme doesn't like it and yeah i probably don't like it either but when it's a case of use linux or use windows i'm all for (laughs) that if they have to yeah and i think i prefer roblox offer over endless hours in front of snapchat That Mm. is a very fair point, yes. (laughs) Or TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Or any of those things that the kids love. What's your beef with Roblox then? Well, my daughter really likes Roblox. And in fact, I I may reinstall it for her now that we can get it running back on her Linux machine. But um, I think at the time, it does concern me that there doesn't seem very much moderation. And there are a lot of kids in there who kind of make one-to-one relationships with who they hope, who we all hope are other kids. I mean, it's quite a powerful position to be in with no oversight. So that's what worried me mostly about Roblox. Oh, yeah. More generally, I have a concern about not only who my kids are speaking to online, but also what those people are getting them to do. Uh, One of my kids is quite into modding games, and he watches YouTube videos about it and tries to get me interested in it, and I have ruled it out and said there's no way that I'm going to enable you to mod these games because you know it will come back as either fixing the damage for me or him getting banned from various games for modding. But the bigger consideration here is that he's doing all this on a Windows PC, and if some guy that he's chatting to on 
Roblox, for example, says, oh, yeah, what you need to do is download this from this URL and install it. There's potentially all sorts of malware and bad shit going on that PC, which I may or may not have any view on. If they're running those games on Linux, I can have a reasonable confidence that I'm not going to expose or they're not going to be exposed to a whole bunch of malware partly because Linux isn't targeted as much in that way, partly because of various you know, security mechanisms that we have. So the opportunity to run the games that kids care about, and this is things like Roblox, on Linux, I think is really important, and um, we shouldn't underestimate the, the value to parents. I think the only complaint I have with Proton is I wish they would make it more containered in a way that it was secure, and the fact that the is the X drive in the wine setup of each game actually just points back out to the root directory. And it'd be nice if that didn't have to be there, if like you could really firewall stuff off in their own containers. It reminds me of a post I saw, I think, on Mastodon about someone trying to get some Linux malware running, and it just wouldn't work because the libraries weren't right and just all sorts of problems. And uh, he said in the end, he just grepped the file and got the Bitcoin address and sent the person $5 worth of Bitcoin out of pity. <laughs> they should have flat-packed their malware. <laughs> Red Hat redeploys one of its main desktop developers. This is Bastian Nocera, who was responsible for quite a lot of the sort of lower-level desktop stuff, and now he's got this post, New Responsibilities, where he doesn't say what it's being redeployed to, but it sounds like more profitable shit, let's just say. There's a whole bunch of stuff that he has been working on or that he has listed as not being worked on as much anymore, which gives me cause for concern, such as desktop Bluetooth. Now, this may be just like the client side of the Bluetooth stack, but nevertheless, this is like critical stuff to the desktop, which is shared among many different like desktop toolkits. And FPrint, which is the fingerprint library, which I remember back in the uh, Ubuntu days, we put quite a lot of effort into getting working because normally, out of the box, Dell machines and ThinkPads and things just didn't work. So to see these, what I consider to be important parts of the desktop stack being left behind, I think is a bit of a warning sign for things to come. Now, as we've talked about previously, Red Hat have sponsored an enormous amount of GNOME specifically, but general desktop technologies, who is going to pick up that work if indeed Red Hat are leaving it behind? I don't know. This I think we will be hearing more about this story in, in some years to come, and this will be the point at which things turned for the worse. That's my concern. Keep it light, Will. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I think that during the boom years of free money, free debt and whatnot, the desktop had a lot of investment in it, but it's never made a tremendous amount of money compared to the other parts of the Linux and open source ecosystem. And as everyone tightens their belt, the desktop is just one of the first victims. And that's not to say it's just going to crumble to shit immediately, but I think you're right, sort of managed decline almost, a bit like this country with the Tories. Oh, managed decline? <laughs> <laughs> Mismanaged decline. I think you're both right. But also... Red Hat has sponsored a lot of desktop development, so it's kind of worth saying, you know, they have done a lot for the Linux desktop, and it's not necessarily their direct responsibility after so many years. It's an opportunity, 
as well for other people to maybe try and take over custodianship of these important things and maybe do something new with the things that are maybe dropped if further things are dropped. We've kind of benefited for free from all of that work for a long time. So I think it's, you know, it has been a strong positive and it's just been taken away. Maybe it's time for a more centralised approach in the fact that more sharing of resources could be done. I mean, free desktop was kind of where that was supposed to happen and it didn't really go so well. Maybe that could be brought back up. Maybe it could be funded from Linux Foundation work. I don't know. But uh, it'd be nice to see more community orientated or lesser focus from one company alone sort of steering things. Like it was often the case where not so much sour grapes, but people would often say, oh, the only reason why Gnome does this is because the guys in Red Hat are paid to do it, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there was a bit of tongue-in-cheek sort of bad feeling about it, but maybe this is where a more fair playing field could be laid out. Also, I can't see this happening at all. So, yeah, just pie in the sky. Yeah, I think that is just pie in the sky feeling, but you never know. You never know. Okay, this episode is sponsored by Entroware. Go to entroware.com. Entroware sells computers with Ubuntu and Ubuntu Mate pre-installed. They've got a range of desktops, laptops, and servers, and most parts are configurable, so you can pick the CPU, RAM, and storage that's right for you. If you can't find exactly what you want, then do contact them, and they'll work with you on a bespoke solution that's perfect for your needs. They ship to the UK, Republic of Ireland, France, Germany, Italy, and Spain. And if you do buy one of their machines, there's a little drop down at checkout and you can select late night Linux so they'll know that we sent you. So go to entroware.com for all your Linux computing needs. On to a bit of admin then. First of all, thank you everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. If you want to join those people, you can go to latenightlinux.com support. And remember for various amounts on Patreon, you can get an advert free RSS feed of either just this show or all the shows in the late night Linux family. And if you want to get in contact with us, you can email show at latenightlinux.com. Firefox to drop support for old macOS and Windows versions. So if you look at the system requirements for Firefox 1.16 versus 1.15, they have dropped anything older than Windows 10. So Windows 7 and Windows 8 and 8.1. And also they were supporting way back to macOS 10.12, and now it's only 10.15 onwards. And some people are outraged, obviously. But we've got a thread from Gabriel Svelto on Mastodon talking about why they're dropping support. And I think it's pretty reasonable, to be honest. I think you're probably right. I wish they'd said how many users they had on those platforms. Do they even know, though? Well, maybe they can make a guess. Because I don't know. I'm a bit conflicted. I think I totally understand reading about having to build Firefox against dozens of different APIs. I can understand that must be horrendously complex and difficult to maintain and stopping Firefox from doing other good work. But at the same time, I'm so used to Microsoft and Apple stopping support for older OSs and I hate it when they do that. I hate it when the the browser, when Chrome doesn't work, for example, because there's been some update. I understand browsers, browsers need to be updated, but it completely breaks everything in some cases. And I feel like Firefox has some responsibility to keep working on old machines and old hardware and that kind of thing in a way that other people can't satisfy. I've scanned the thread. It's quite long and, and there's a lot of detail in there. 
it doesn't talk about the ESR version, which is like the equivalent of uh, the long-term support version. I thought that that was supported for some years to come, and so this problem may be you know, way down the road for, for those users. Well, no, the ESR gets about a year of support, I think, roughly. So that will somewhat alleviate the issue, but not indefinitely, and, and not even for that long, really. Mm. Should we be recommending people use a woefully insecure operating system that is now well past its patching date like only windows 10 is supported so do we really want to encourage people to browse the web and give them a false sense of oh i'm using firefox everything's okay while they're getting owned in several other ways i don't know yeah i can see they're gonna keep using it until it goes on fire probably but i don't know it's a it's a hard one no, I think I'm with you, Phelim, that if you are really determined to use old hardware, then use an up-to-date operating system on it. And, you know, obviously I'm going to recommend Zubuntu for older hardware. Of course you would. And new hardware alike. But, you know, even uh, a Kubuntu or KDE Neon or whatever, or even Arch or one of the million other distros, even GNOME probably would be light enough for a Windows 7 machine or even a Windows 8 machine. Yeah. Or these old Macs as well. The old Macs can run Linux, generally speaking. So really, I think that you're right. In a way, supporting Firefox on those old systems that are not themselves supported probably isn't a great idea. It'd be nice if they took that point to sort of maybe nudge people in the right direction about the OS, but that's mm. just not their remit, I guess, is it? Yeah. I would be expected too much from them to just keep maintaining the browser, let alone help open source <laughs> in general. It's a good idea, though. It would be nice to have a page, you know, if you're stuck on Windows 7, here are your options. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, nobody wants to see gear getting chucked in a mm. landfill for no reason, bar just Redmond doesn't want to support the thing anymore. Mm. Yeah, when you open Firefox, it should just say something like, uh, have you got a minute to talk about GNU slash Linux? <laughs> 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 We've tried to reach you on your operating system's extended warranty. <laughs> I don't know, though. Some people just refuse to move on, and there's people using XP and all sorts. I mean, that's perfect. What a use case for XFCE. I mean, it's literally made for them. I know, but if they just refuse to move off Windows 7, let's say, at least if the browser they're using is up to date, most vulnerabilities are going to come via the browser. So there is an argument that at least keep that up to date. It's not an easy one, but ultimately resources have decided this, and... You know, they've decided to spend their resources doing ridiculous shit and not oh. stuff like this. <laughs> <laughs> so close. So close. We were doing so well. <laughs> oh, well. The WordPress 100-year plan ensures that your stories, achievements, and memories are preserved for generations to come. One payment, 100 years of legacy, $38,000 for a WordPress.com website and domain for 100 years. Bargain. Sorry, is this the Patreon feed or are we on the... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, what? <laughs> this is a fucking joke. I mean, it got be the days when it used to be WordPress is doing well to survive one single update, let alone 100 years worth of them. They're obviously not using their own project to archive all this and they're obviously going to archive <laughs> onto stone tablets. There's the funny thing. In the blurb for the product, it says that they will submit your site to the Internet Archive. Well, I will do that for you for only $37,000. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, do you accept checks? Please take my money, Will. <laughs>
I kind of understand the goal here, which is something that we've talked about on this show a few times, which is how do you ensure that your digital records and, you know, your photos and recordings of your podcast that you've made and all of this kind of digital um, heritage that people will carry around with them, how do you make sure that it's there so that when you die and your kids are going through your loft, they find this stuff and, and kind of see something of the person you were and the life that you have led. Like, I get it. This is a nice idea and a worthwhile endeavour. If I were to make a short list of the people who I would trust <laughs> to look after this, <laughs> WordPress would not be on that list. What version of real player would you need to install <laughs> to watch some of the videos? <laughs> it's just preposterous. Brilliantly on their website, there is a link that says, do not sell or share my personal information. And you click on that, and it redirects you to the same page you're already on. <laughs> <laughs> That's how seriously they take it. Well, they're crafting legacies one century at a time. I mean, it is just ludicrous to think that WordPress as a technology will still be popular in 100 years, isn't it? I mean, it's already waning in popularity, certainly among the tech elites. It's almost a joke now to have your website run on WordPress instead of a static site generator like Hugo. So in 20 years, WordPress is going to seem old hat, never mind a fucking 100 years. Yeah, but maybe this is an attempt to branch out from the CMS. I think WordPress, I know its problems, but it's still a good platform for a lot of people to create content on, as long as they don't go crazy on installing stuff. Well, our website runs on yeah. WordPress, for example. I'm trying to, or I'm certainly looking into alternatives, let's just say. But for now, WordPress is doing the job. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that as long as you you know, you know don't go crazy, and I don't know, please feel free to correct me, Phelan, but I mean, and it's, it's an option for people to kind of self-host in a way that they can avoid all of those kind of pre-built site generation sites, which are worse, far worse. Well, hang on. I'm trying to get some of them to sponsor us, so let's not talk too much shit on them. But it's a good way of hosting your own site without having to worry too much about all of the implementation details and getting all the functionality of a modern site. But anyway, the thing that annoyed me about this is the smug photo of Matt Mullenweg, CEO of WordPress.com and co-founder of WordPress. He's just standing there saying, whether it's giving a newborn the special gift of a domain or a lifetime home on the web, blah, blah, blah. It feels like an April the 1st webpage. It does, rather. Just wait till they're defrosting Walt Disney's brain and he's there asking if they've managed to get the fucking CSS to straighten up the page properly on his WordPress page. If this is a drive, a permanent archive for one's personal digital legacy, it is, as Alan Partridge would say, disconcertingly vague. There is very little in the way of like details about how they're going to do this. What happens if you don't get your 100 years? Maybe what happens if it goes bust after 20 years? Like, Are you going to get your money back? Where does the data go? None of this information was available to me clicking through this website this afternoon. So I don't know. It feels like it's a very early days kind of um, put down the bong and make the website kind of plan. We will see where this goes, but I, I can't see this being successful. Can you imagine if somebody back in the late 80s had like bought U .USSR or whatever that the communist uh, top-level domain was and then Russia imploded <laughs> just at that point? Where does that mm. domain go for 100 years? Yeah, there's something very sort of metaverse about this to me. It just seems just fucking ludicrous. 
but we'll see. We'll see in a hundred years if they're still uh, got any of these sites up. If anyone indeed spends the thirty odd grand, thirty eight thousand dollars. That's about what, like a million pounds or something these days. It's a lot of money. Mucky JPEGs will do it for ten quid. Yeah, we'll just submit you to the Internet Archive and let them deal with it. <laughs> All right, Phelan, you have managed to sneak in a KDE corner, and you have assured me that this is 30 seconds. So you've got 30 seconds starting from now. It is literally 30 seconds, close about. <laughs> so Mercuro is a new front-end to contacts, calendars, and mail. It's not out to immediately compete with contact but it might go that way in the long run but it is a newer interface newer technology making it look nicer i guess they're probably feeling a bit of the uh, thunderboard stealing the fame of late so they want to get in the action too so good to see it's not going to replace contact yet though if you're you saw the the higher features of that and also one cool thing that happened was in the qt6 porting work by the end of September, QT 6.6 will be out, and that will mean that QT apps will be able to survive a restart of the Wayland Compositor if it should crash, which is a good sign because that was one of the things that was a bit of a fail with Wayland at the moment. So uh, nice to see that coming. And that's it. See? Well, I think you did bring that in in 30 seconds. Well done. Yes. Oof, stress. Yeah. Right, well, we'd better get out of here then. We'll be back next week when we'll have some discoveries and who knows what else. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Phelan. I've been Graham. And I've been Will. See you later.